Hello, and welcome back to Robots Don't Age. I am your host, Cody, and with me today is... Oh, it's some asshole. Some asshole that oh, he yeah. knows. That's fair, it's some <laughs> asshole. CJ! CJ, how you doing, man? Taking the wind out of your intro sales, it seems. Um, but I'm doing good, man. How you been? Good, good. The reason why I wanted to have CJ on here today, everyone, is that we're going to be doing a special series on our sketch comedy show, Who Asked for This?, where we're going to be discussing fun facts of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, little tidbits, kind of fun anecdotes, if you will, if we have them. If not, uh, just kind of stories from on set. I think it's going to be a good time. But before we get to that, CJ, what have you been playing and watching lately? I have been... Not watching much, actually, but I've I think a lot of my free time I put into Mortal Kombat 11, which I recently bought at a bit of a bargain deal um, with the Nightwolf DLC. Of course, you you need that and the classic movie skin costumes. Uh, but I've also been playing a little a lot of Silent Hill 4 again, mostly inspired, uh, inspired by your recent uh, four way uh, four uh, What's the word? Foray? For, for I know you're It's a hard I, word. Look, here's it's the a, thing. I've never had to say the word. Exactly. I've only ever had to read it or type it. So, that word. But yeah, uh, since I've been recently playing, you know, the first Silent Hill, I haven't revisited the second one yet, but I definitely want to dive into it a little bit more when I get the free time. So, I know you're playing through two right now, and two is, you know, clearly a fan favorite. Um... And has the multiple endings, which I'm sure a couple might have been spoiled for you by now. But one thing 2 and 4 do share in common that I, I think you'll appreciate, especially when you get to 4 and complete 2, is the, the nail, they nail, they fucking nailed that atmosphere, that creepy, unsettling atmosphere that I've always praised. You know, um, I've only played about an hour of 2 still, but I... I have enjoyed it. I like how, spoiler alert, I kind of know why the character is going through the hell of Silent Hill. I'm not going to, you know, go through it. But, like, the reason why the monsters are the way they are and everything, that kind of stuff is one of the bigger appeals of Silent Hill to me. I like how, at least for the first few games, it's like a real personalized experience for the character and, you know, things they have to deal with. It just makes it all the more interesting to kind of try to decipher what's going on with them. Oh, yes. And, um, you know... What's what's cool about most of the games in that series is every every bit of that little Silent Hill hell is much very customized to each person normal in most of the games. So that's that's a cool thing you don't see in much as far as horror goes where they take the design to be that personal to each character or at least, you know, to the the story relating to the character rather. But yeah, um, as far as my stuff goes, that's it for me. What about you, man? Outside of Silent Hill, of course. Um, I'll start with my TV shows, because I really only have two of them that I don't think I've talked about on the show. The HBO show Crashing, which is about Pete Holmes and uh, his semi-autobiographic journey of becoming a stand-up comic. And um, it's really just like an alternative version of him who hasn't quite hit yet as a comedian in his 30s. Maybe he's supposed to be 20s. And, uh, you know, his wife ends up having an affair in the pilot and they split up and everything. And his terrible like life circumstances kind of lead to him actually becoming a better comic over time. Um, but that's a show that I actually just started rewatching. And it's it's one of those sitcoms that not a lot of people I think have heard of, but uh, it's pretty fun and enjoyable in that kind of like weird Judd Apatow comedy type way. 
You know, I think I've actually seen a trailer or two for it when I still had HBO Max, which I'm obviously going to be renewing soon. Um, oh, God, there's a lot coming out. Uh, but um, I've, I've seen a trailer of it, and it looked interesting, mostly because I've always kept eye, an eye on comedic actors and comedians, especially coming from Saturday Night Live. Because, you know, if you notice the pattern there, they tend to do pretty great outside of comedy. Or, you know, in a more grounded sort of series than Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. I could I could go in detail about how much I love Pete Davidson in King of Staten Island, and he's a uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live alumni. Right, and Bill Hader's another one that comes to mind, you know, with Barry. He did amazing in that. Uh, I mean, just all of them. Um, I'm sure if Chris Farley had chances to do more dramatic roles, he would have nailed that shit, too. It really is a talent to do like the comedic acting and to actually be able to nail the timing because it kind of works the same for drama. And I assume with horror, you could translate the skills. It's all about just nailing it at the right time. And that's just something they obviously perfect on that show. I feel like a lot of it is, um, yeah, the uh, the writing does have a lot of weight to it. But it, it's like I feel like with comedy and even horror, what little bit we've done um there's a pacing to them that you have to just fucking nail in almost every aspect and arguably the two most important ones to nail outside of story are the camera and visual work given to the audience as well if not maybe even more importantly the actor themselves has to be able to nail those paces of comedy of horror of tragedy and i feel like that translates so well and i forget i, I I want to say it was Jim Carrey that said it, but it was someone uh, I'm 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 kind of misquoting here who said something along the lines of comedians are great in drama as well and serious things because they're pretty broken themselves. So I think um, what makes a lot of those actors so great is especially through comedy. Uh, a lot of people use joking to kind of um, cope with difficult times and issues and we know pete davidson obviously hasn't had a terribly easy life losing his father 9-11 would be a pretty harsh start to a young life um, yeah that's actually uh kind of the premise of king of staten island his it's a semi-autobiographical movie about like what his life could have been like if he didn't get into stand-up comedy and with I mean, it's got bill burr also i've talked about it in detail on other episodes but it's really good at like the dark aspects and the character dealing with depression and the trauma that he had to experience and also just being really fucking funny. And that's kind of like with Crashing, it's one of the, uh, to bring it back around, the type of shows that I've been into lately because I just finished a script not terribly unlike that. And I've just been really wanting to like study and see how people like Judd Apatow because he did both of those uh, really works and kind of developed the characters and their coming of age because i've always found that to be a really interesting aspect of shows i know judd apatow i i've always been in the opinion that his hit and miss ratio leans toward the hit side more that he's had a lot more hits with a lot of his work that i've seen so i, I need to check that out it sounds like i am a giant fan i've watched that movie two or three times now and i just want to keep rewatching. like it, it sits with me because i just I don't know. I like thinking about uh, the scenes. It's funny. Great movie. I recommend everyone check it out. But I haven't watched that recently. The other thing I've watched recently, because I didn't know that it came back on, was Snowfall. Season 4 just started. You know, I, I, I will admit I haven't yet to see a single episode of Snowfall. But 
I get a lot of people recommending it to me, mostly you, but I've had a couple other people recommend it as well. Yes, for those of you not familiar, uh, Snowfall is basically about the start of the crack epidemic in Los Angeles and how, uh, not to get too deep into it, the CIA was kind of involved with bringing cocaine in and teaching them how to cook it and everything, and how it started the drug boom. It's um, it's fascinating. It's also one of those great, like, kind of grittier street crime gang shows that I know a lot of people are into, me and you included. Um, it's kind. It's a, like a more polished version of The Wire in terms of like the technical aspects of it. You know, actually, without even knowing what it was about, even though you did describe it to uh, me previously, just as you did, I, I kind of made that connection in my mind. I don't know why just the title alone invokes The Wire to me. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the best way I could phrase it is that it's obviously, you know, heavily involved with drug trafficking just on a bigger scale. But everything about it from like the camera and lighting and all the aspects of it are like really well done. It's um, it's a very cinematic show to watch. See, I've always thought that was one of the best things. Uh, one of the best things about The Wire is it could do both those very cinematic, beautiful wide angle shots to establish um a a scene or particular event um but it also could nail the gritty up close sort of the i want to say invokes like the shield in style it just did all of that very well and blended it so seamlessly though that's probably a credit to both the dp and editors uh yeah i think i know what you're talking about like with the shield and the gritty shake and hand cam type stuff they were doing with a lot of their shots maybe some might say overdid uh yeah yeah a little bit you know it's it, I don't I I'm not in the in the camp of saying it's terribly overdone it's nowhere near the effect of shaky cam in the Bourne franchise for instance no it's just something that I noticed the last time I watched the Shield I think I went through two seasons and almost every shot seemed like it was like that handheld kind of shaky look not terribly shaky but it was more notable than say I don't know like Sons of Anarchy when Kurt Sutter got around to that it was a little bit more polished but again it could have been a choice. Here's a question I pose to you then. Um, would you rather live your life where um, your vision is similar to that, you know, sort of handheld vibe from the shield? And, you know, we'll even give you a little mercy and say Sons of Anarchy, you know, or would you rather live your life to where everything you did was intense to like the action scenes in the Bourne franchise where it's just a quick cut here, shaky cam there? That would make pit taking a piss real intense. Would that be so? You're saying that's for everything I did. It would look that everything. Intense. Yes, everything. And no matter how you know nominal you think it is, a scratch to your nuts that could be a fucking two minute adventure. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I would probably have to go with the uh, Sons of Anarchy camera work. I don't know. I mean, the shield would be nauseating, but also like, could you imagine living your life in quick cuts? You would be like fucking dead in a matter of months i feel like it would just make everything so much quicker that's how people with like alzheimer's or uh short-term memory loss live their day-to-day you know kind of you know it could be more in 50 first dates (laughs) i've never once thought about the fact that alzheimer's patients might be living a jason Bourne type existence with quick cuts you never know i i know when i worked in a nursing home in the kitchen there was one uh patient with alzheimer's we had to keep our eye on her she was near the exit a lot yeah, was she also like doing the Jason Bourne type stuff, or is this just a segue? She had shifty eyes. 
close enough. I think Jason Bourne had very shifty eyes, from my recollection. Matt Damon, that squinty-eyed, beautiful bastard. <laughs> it's the same way I feel about, like, for example, Bradley Cooper. The man's handsome and he can sing. How the fuck dare you be that awesome? How dare you? Just us, Anyways. Us, fuck, us fucking troglodytes over here shitting on successful, good-looking people. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm a fucking knuckle-dragging caveman. It's fine. <laughs> oh, a couple of chugs right. over here. Other than that, um, I haven't really been doing a whole lot. I've played uh, Mortal Kombat 11, and I'm on the last boss fight. She huh? beat me twice, and I respectfully put the controller down and haven't revisited since then. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll get around to that at some point. But in the meantime... You know, Whoever designed that boss fight with Kronika, where, I mean, at least, you know, which you haven't got to in the Towers of Time, you can use, um, they're not called augments, there's something, I forget what they're exactly called, but there's different little little perks you can add to your combat. You can't even use that on Kronika in the story mode, that's unfair, and the bitch throws a T-Rex at you. Yeah, I have yet to find a strategy mm. to where I can continuously hit her before she just, like, you can't even use the fatal blows, it does nothing to her. Yeah, the moment, okay, the moment I am in this fight with this deity for that I, for some reason, think I could take on, even if Raiden's inside of me, which I hope he is. Um, I mean, with that glorious hair, I think all of us kind of want Raiden inside of us. It's the eyes for me. It's the white lightning eyes that get me every time. It but, is you know, if I think I'm going to take this, this deity, Titan, she's actually more powerful than the Elder Gods, right? So she's a Titan. Um, if I think I'm gonna take her on, the moment like she starts not reacting to my most powerful strikes and throws a T Rex at me, I would also be done as well as you are. But I later came back to her after giving it a few days. I didn't. I wanted to change the difficulty for a moment, but I didn't. I stuck to my medium pathetic difficulty, and I finally beat her. But um, I could see why you threw in the towel. Yes, because I did as well. Yeah, I'm on medium, and I gotta be honest with you, I might cave. Um, I don't really care. I'm not a proud man. I'll put it on easy if it means I can just beat the storyline at this point. Just go on YouTube and watch the final cutscene. You'll see what's up. <laughs> it's basically the same thing as beating the game. I get what you're saying. I'll give Mortal Kombat credit. The most, you know, this is the the crypt mode on it is pretty fun, and it's like I described it to you. I don't. I think you said you didn't get to play it. Is um. During Mortal Kombat Deception, they introduced the Conquest mode, which is a single-player uh, story uh, sort of adventure thing. Uh, you would go on these quests, uh, first as Shujinko, then as Taven. Um, you know, that's very. it's a very important... Each one has a very important story to the, the game uh, that they're in. So it was cool to me to see something like that brought into something as old as the Crypt, which I know I call it old, but it was introduced in Deadly Alliance. And back then it was literally just scrolling through coffins. So now that it got to this point to where it's an actual little adventure, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool way to extend the shelf life of your game. Yeah, you gotta appreciate them trying to do a lot of stuff to make up for Mortal Kombat X, like the fact that the entire storyline of Mortal Kombat 11 is just retconning Mortal Kombat X. <laughs> well, um, I <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with the fan splashback. Also, Mortal Kombat X's umbrella was kind of huge. It had almost every it had either mentioned or had something to do with every character they've ever made, even from the previous timeline. Kind of like Armageddon. That was a huge roster to pick from on that one. But you know, this one they weren't all playable, but 
I see why they would retcon a lot of those. Although I like the idea of following Johnny Cage, uh, as I felt like he wasn't getting the the limelight enough in the original timeline. Yeah, I think playing back through this because I really hopped in the series back around like nine. I've enjoyed playing as Johnny Cage. Sub Zero was my guy until Mortal Kombat X, and then they just kind of they just they my boy. They killed my boy. Oh, they massacred my boy. Oh man. Uh, you know what else you're gonna massacre? This commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the first episode of our sketch comedy show, Who Asked for This? Yeah. Talking about episode one of Who Asked for This. All right. Now, obviously, you have that amazing intro. We both worked on it, both got the shots. Um, The dumpster shot in particular was one that I remember having to discuss with you because I thought it fit our tone a little bit better. Yeah. What did I have there? I think I initially just had like a bunch of random scenery shots. Yeah. I think it was either beaches or something really scenic. And I was like, well, if it's going to be our style, I think people deserve to know. Yeah, you. I I think that was a brilliant uh, suggestion, personally, to kind of be. You want to tell them what they're getting into in the beginning, whereas I was more on the path of I was willing to mislead them. <laughs> yeah, I know there's a term for it, but it's basically like with the upbeat music playing that against like weird images that are clearly not fitting. It's supposed to be like a comedic type thing, so people see that and like, oh, okay, this is kind of an oddball type situation I'm you getting know, into. It was um, it, it's one of those things that at least after your suggestions. When they they it like seemed like it started to fall together in the editing room, so that was a that was a neat thing about the little intro sequence. The music was by uh, composer Jake K. I'm not gonna say his name right, Kalela, but uh, I'm sure his name is in the credits. But he did an amazing job. Great, uh, great guy. Great collaborator to work with. He wanted to make sure yes. we were satisfied too before, so he just kept getting at it until we were happy. There wasn't really uh any. Anything I could complain about on that front? Not at all. I'm very happy about it, and I wish we need to we need to make sure we show them how much we appreciate them in season two. That's for sure. All right. So getting into it, the first skit that we have, I felt like this was kind of a no brainer to open up with because it was the first comedy skit that we did, and I would argue probably our most popular, uh, Soy Boy Quando. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert uh, SPS sound effects here. Now I've got to give you credit for this one. Um. I can't remember exactly what we were trying to shoot that day, but it had to, it had fallen through for whatever reason. And I remember we were both just sitting around the apartment that uh, we were both living at at the same time and just really bummed out, just kind of moping around. And you pitched the idea of like, what if there was a like soy boy kind of self-defense video like that old 80s, 90s style? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that day very vividly. Wasn't it? Um, 
our first attempt at a was it a was it a feature at that time illicit i think we were doing an scp short ah okay that's what happened i remember now but yeah i remember i was just sitting in the room and um doing my normal just you know trolling not really trolling but like browsing through youtube comments it, the occasional shit post here and there um, in the comment section or on Facebook or on find a grave. So what, <laughs> what it just came to mind. I was thinking of that scene in Napoleon dynamite, you know, Rick Squando. I was thinking of that scene, which I love that fucking actor. I need to remember his name, everything he's in. I smile ear to ear just cause that dude's in it. Um, but I was, I was thinking of that scene. I'm like, what if like you took this ultra, ridiculously character of the, like uh, this you know progressive type um and just had him do this stupid ass instructional video and i was happy because like i was just you know I, that's something i normally do to people who don't know me is i'll just come up and i'll say some random shit to cody i normally will and it's not necessarily a pitch ever but this instant uh, i'm glad he looked me in the eye and he's like well we let's film it then because we got the stuff we ain't got nothing to do i was like yeah and most of that was honestly just you know you as we were filming just you know i don't i don't even we didn't have any script because it was instant we went to goodwill i believe not a sponsor yes i remember um shout out to goodwill where we get our entire wardrobe i remember i was just like broke no unfortunately um, I remember being like broke as shit and you mentioned this. I'm like, all right, well, what does a hipster wear? So I had to like go and look shit up, try to figure out like what kind of wardrobe we could have worked with, dug around. I think you already had the shirt. So we ended up having it shorts, hat, the glasses that I can't see out of and the scarf, I believe. And um, I always joke that it took us like maybe two hours of shoot and about $13. Yeah, that's actually pretty literal that's not just a joke that's maybe what we spent but uh that's the beauty of of something like that is it was just a a blast to shoot the entire way through and you know something that we just did on the fly which even i even if it's not like our most well done thing uh, i I still enjoyed uh, doing it and i enjoy watching it Mostly for those memories, because as I was saying, um, you really did a lot of improv. It was all your improv, basically. I gave minimal direction. I w- I might come up with a dumb idea like, oh, here's here's this vape I made out of duct tape, a pack of cigarettes, and a straw from McDonald's. You want you want to pretend to smoke all it and I'll throw cotton found. at you? All shit that was found in the apartment hallway, except for the fucking duct tape. And then uh, even the straw was on the fucking ground. We had to wash it first. And then you destroyed your pillow so we would have cotton for the smoke. I'm loyal to the game, dude. It's, it was I, great. I am all in on anything we, we've ever done. Uh, I'll try to be. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you for the improv stuff. I know we work together a lot on like the kind of ideas to do. I believe the uh, wool cap kick and the slap and flea were two ones that I kind of came up on fly. But a lot of it was collaborative. Especially like uh, that moment outside. Where we didn't like, I had to walk up and smack you. And I remember, I don't know if you recall this, but that was the first time we actually met one of our neighbors and their small child. Yes, I, I remember that. That was a an awkward way to say hi. I mean, I didn't feel as weird. All the all only thing I was wearing was like a camouflage jacket and blue jeans. But you were in the yeah. whole short shorts get up 
holding that I fake vape. <laughs> I distinctly remember her making sure her child had like a good distance away from me, so I wasn't within melee range. I I suppose. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was, believe she was. was I would have been. I would have understood if she was worried or concerned. And ma'am, even though you're not listening to this, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. It's kind of a teaching uh, experience for you and your kid because, you know, sometimes neighbors do weird things. That's yeah. what happens when you live in apartments. But imagine how, like, Jeffrey Dahmer's neighbors felt. So it could be oh, worse. Oh, now see, could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, unless you have any closing thoughts on Soy Boy, I'm ready to move on. No, other than it was just a blast of just us just literally there was nothing on paper with that project nothing typed nothing at all it was it was just two friends fucking around and that's that's you know that's how i like to live my life just fucking around yeah that's essentially how we handle it and um i forgot to mention this at the head of this half but the reason why our audio sounds like it does because i know i've gotten comments about that it's usually just us with a tripod and a shotgun mic so you work with what you have yeah that's nine tenths of uh what we do is done, you know, I, I don't want to put down our equipment. Some of it's quite nice, uh, in my opinion. But it is, it is to be fair, low, lower, uh, I don't want to say grade, but uh, prosumer quality. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not quite brand name stuff. So, you know, you got to work with what you got. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, if, you know, if it's something that we're passionate about, you know, and where we want to do it, there's no excuse to not go out there and, you know, just do it. Yeah, you find a way. Just like I happened to find someone who had that NASA jacket that we used in the Hinte segue coming up. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> that was a... Uh, Smooth, right? That was a pretty good segue. So, I didn't really have a whole lot of notes for this. I just remember we were trying to figure out different things to do on that day. And, um... I was just kind of hanging around, and I remember I had gotten this jacket from someone, and I was like, oh, you know it would be great? Uh, we just throw this on, I act like I'm some guy from SpaceX, and then we just add in like, the hente sound effects, and I act horrified. And um, I noticed you threw on the Wadzilla font, and I thought that was a nice touch. Oh, yeah. It, it was... Um, it, it's only because I think that that is the example of a perfect parody of a, like a 1940s or 50s horror movie. Uh, and it's a short movie and it perfectly nails the cadence and tones and since that's sort of what we wanted to hearken with i don't know if that's something we led with in the idea or if that's something i decided to do but either way i, I it fit it pretty great um i had <laughs> interesting time with the sound effects because I, I i hate to use uh you know pre-made sound effects that are just royalty free and stuff they're good in a pinch but as far as me as editor i feel like a part of my job is also to try and bring some unique uh or original sound effects where possible so i remember just you were you were probably working i messaged you and i'm like dude i need some screeches and stuff just give me what you got and i remember i even kind of tried to coach you a little bit as to like screeching <laughs> but <laughs> that was a interesting I was indeed at work that day. <laughs> yes, so, so I you got to do it sometimes. You, you got to do it at work. <laughs> no shame at all. Just, but um, that that sound ended up actually being, uh, I think, two of your recordings and one of me screeching to kind of, I don't know. 
but I, I I enjoyed the uh the I think it was completely your idea actually to do it. So I I really enjoyed editing it because when I edit something that initially is something you completely come up with, you know, you don't get to see it really while while you're doing it, you know, while you're filming it, you don't really get to see the final vision. Even when editing, um, you might not like, you know, the edit and want to go a different way. But, you know, with this one, you know, it's so small, so short. Once I hit the end, I was like, this has to be what he was wanting because this is, I think it's hilarious. And you nailed it. It was absolutely the type of feeling I was going for. We even had like that slow punch in, dun, 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 (laughs) which was, you know, the whole stupid (laughs) realization punchline. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Here's how I describe this and, and anything we really do, especially in the vein of comedy, is we're mostly doing it to make ourselves laugh. And, you know, someone else laughs, that's cool and all. Or if you don't think it's funny, I mean, that's cool. But, you know, we think it's funny as fuck, so that's why we're sharing it. Because we're like, oh, maybe uh, someone else can share in this stupidity with us. Which is the whole the whole show. Yeah, luckily for us, a lot of people, especially our friends, have joined in on the stupidity. Uh, can't wait for season two, because we definitely have a lot more collaborative stuff coming up. But seeing as how we didn't have the chance to get too collaborative with this next skit, um, I am proud to say this is one I managed to come up with, I believe, primarily by myself. It was uh, based off the idea of, like, prank wars. You know, when you see those videos of people pranking each other on YouTube, and my thought was, wow, could you imagine living with such an insufferable dick? Dude, yeah, that was, um, that was actually something that, like, when you brought it up, I'm like, that's a profound-ass thought. I've never considered how shitty life would be. If your roommate was that kind of a YouTube prankster dick to you just constantly. But it was And sure, you got to take into account that a lot of that's probably staged, but it was kind of an irritating like thought. I was like, okay, so what if this went, you know, from the start of like, hey, I poured water on him and we turned that up to about 11 by the end. Just go to the fucking extreme. You just you get gutted by the end of it. Oh, it was <laughs> it was fun. It was all fun to do uh, because, you know, we had to do these douchebaggy personas. I, I went with the creepy route just because I'm a creepy dude and that's how I rolls. So I decided to go the creepy route. But, you know, it was it was fun to do these little 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 character YouTuber sort of types. Yeah, and I just kind of base my character off of a lot of people that I've met in real life and sometimes still have to associate with, but it was still, you know, kind of like that easy, fun, over-the-top kind of uh, cheesemo thing to get into. Particularly, <laughs> particularly, I enjoyed doing the uh, the shower bit because, you know, all of it was recorded on our phone, so you have, like, that fun difficulty of going back and forth, as well as, like, you have to make sure you're getting the great shot of you. Yeah, it was, you, get, you were there, getting the great shot of, like, yeah. lifting the pan over the shower. Um, it wasn't terribly difficult. I will say, though, one of the facts that I actually uh, almost forgot to bring up is this was the first skit that we recorded with uh, both of our girlfriends on set. Oh, yes, that that's right, ain't it? I forgot. I forgot that they were here, to be honest. Yeah. So, like, right around <laughs> every frame, you have two people that are just kind of uh, hanging out and being quiet and, you know, just enjoying the time on set. Uh, I, I, lo- I just want to point out, ladies, there are two types of men in the world. There are men who, like Cody, will re- remembers that you're there. And there are guys like me who have sustained a significant amount of head injuries who, what was your name again? <laughs> so, 
You lucky Thank bastard, you. you have that convenient out. Huh? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the notes that I had for Prank Wars. Yeah, I think that's a fair little little BTS dive. Now, uh, this next the transition... You're scratching your head. Oh yeah, if you can't figure out what BTS is. Uh, behind the scenes. Or Behind the that K-pop boy band that I only know of because they trend on Twitter like once a month. Anyways, uh, don't get K-pop, but I like the fans. They seem like fun people. So, the next transition was the Banana STD skit. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's 100% you. <laughs> yeah, this was one of those things that for some reason just occurred to me. I was uh, looking at one of the bananas on top of my fridge, and I'm like, oh, that's going to be really bad in a few days. And I was like, oh, I could probably shoot like a half-decent STD PSA with this. So I kind of messaged the idea with you and, you know, wanted to see what uh, what you thought about it. And, you know, we kind of got on board. I obviously took uh, the first clip where I was just in the shower holding it with gloves. And then the second one, I just put it on my podcast recording desk and uh, just mashed the shit out of it. And as for the voiceover, I just uh, asked the other co-host of Robots Don't Age and our dear friend uh, Kiani if she'd be willing to do a little bit of a PSA. Because I thought that if the kids were going to be watching our show, it was important to know that they should wear a condom, lest that happen to their banana. No, that's a that's for one. I want to thank you as not only a member of the local community, but as a father for wanting to pass that message on to the little ones. Uh, you're a saint. You have a big dick, and you're going to heaven. Uh, but mostly, we um, all know <laughs> who asked for this is for the children. Yes, we did it all for the kids. But um, to be fair, what all it is is we basically decided we're gonna. Most of this is pre-shot. Uh, most of the most of the skits, almost all of them, were already shot by the time we decided to structure it. So what we decided to do was just structure it, say, "Hey, let's make it more in the vein of those sketch comedy shows we loved." Uh, you know, growing up watching. Um, not to compare ourselves to them at all, but you know, we just wanted to do something like that because it seemed fun. And guess what? It's fun. So um, we decided to take these little comedy skits, restructure them, and we needed these transitions. And this one, in particular, uh, completely Cody's idea. And I was also blown away by Kiani's uh, voice, uh, vocal performance. I think she sent me two in different accents. And this accent was so great. She should always talk like this. Uh, <laughs> so You guys heard I, it here I, first. <laughs> Keanu yeah. will now always talk with a fake British accent, like uh, Madonna, I guess. Oh, it's official? She has to? Okay. Yeah, no, that's how this works here. She doesn't have a choice. If I say something on Robots Don't Age, it's now canon. Because she's not here to contest it. Nope, just for everything. Just like um, Alita Battle Angel is going to get a sequel now, because I said it. it should. It's just going to happen. <gasps> oh, no. What if she's right behind? No, she's not here. Oh, Sorry, thank God. Guys. You had me worried. Anyways, um, yeah, no, Keanu knocked it out. I had her do one regular voice, and then she wanted to do one with the accent, and uh, that's the one, obviously, ended up going with. It, it was a great, perfect take, and I don't think I had to do any editing, maybe a small gap, I mean, you know, adding a small gap of silence, maybe a second long to, you know, that last part of uh, wear a condom. Other than that, though, it was perfect, um, you know, 
the the performance with the banana was great. Uh, I I enjoyed how you smashed it. You know, it was just one of those things that you have to really commit to because you only have so many bad bananas. You have like okay, you have like Gary Oldman types who are like really like dedicated to their craft, and then you have people like Cody Pro, who his last name is also a title because he he wailed on that banana like he's done it before. I have no idea what you're trying to uh, refer to here, sir. And quite frankly, I'm offended at the implication. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Speaking of implications, uh, my heart breaks. Uh, yes. Our, our beautiful love romantic comedy. If you even want to call it a comedy, it was a very serious romantic film. That's true. I mean, I think the comedy in it was in the fact that uh, the main character played wonderfully by our friend and fellow actor Chris, really just knocked it out of the park with, like, his <laughs> his really over-the-top, like, sad tones. I I rewatched that earlier today. It was the first time I had seen it since we made it for the, uh, the contest that we originally entered it in back in 2020. Wow, that does not feel like it was only a year ago. Um, but, yeah, I just him sitting there on the couch and crying and you coming up, like, you guys have that fun on-camera back and forth that really really brought this skit to life even like beyond my kind of drab writing you know it, it wasn't as comedically filled without you guys having that great uh you know comedic tone well that's that's the fun part is um chris is real a uh, real awesome dude to just bullshit with not even on screen so we, it makes it that much easier when you just start you know joking on screen even more which can arguably work the other way around as well me and him weren't like that you know i'm kind of a shy guy um to be honest so it takes me a minute to kind of come out of my shell and be my regular stupid self um but you know we would joke a little bit but it was just super easy once we were joking around with such a ridiculous subject matter because you go you don't go into this and, and not realize how dumb this is <laughs> because just for a little backstory, um, we had to do this sort of 48 hour film festival. And I believe we were given three things, a theme, uh, an object and a line to include in, into this. And, you know, I, if I, what was the theme? Um, I can't remember. Um, control, which is why we had the quote to open. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's that's honestly one I kind of shoehorned in in the editing floor because I wanted to make sure that I was like, they can't say we didn't get it. Uh, so that, that's my C average attempt. Um, but yes, they gave us the theme of control. They gave us the item of a potato masher and they gave us the line. Uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but they gave us the line. We really had some good times there, didn't we? I believe that was the Yeah, one. it was when he's standing at the dumpster, I think parting is such sweet sorrow, maybe something along those lines. But it was like that really tragic, straight-up line that he delivered in front of the dumpster when we threw out the potato masher. But here's what I'm saying. With, when you get presented those three things, how do you not take the direction of, okay, so a dude fucks a potato masher? That's a no-brainer. I think what my favorite part about that is, is that when I started to watch it, in the beginning, when you went to go grab the potato masher, in my head, I was like, oh, my! I should have put in there, here, she has about as much personality as uh, Cynthia did. And as soon as you delivered the line, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm good. 
Um, other than that, though. <laughs> See, the, the fun fact, the, what was really fun and meta about it for me, especially, but I know you get a kick out of this, too, is we do love collaborating with local artists here. So please, if any of you hear this, we're, we like to joke with you. But we also we also don't like artsy sort of style of film that much. I particularly like to make fun of that, um, especially using a serious tone. So thankfully, Cody, you know, he did uh, the camera work on that one and he decided to take it in a more serious, tried to get as much sort of cinematic angles, um, such as like they're walking in the sunset over that park. It's a very romantic shot. Um, (laughs) I wish I was that potato masher or I was Chris. Um, either way well <laughs> speaking of being either chris or that potato masher i have to say one of the most clever bits was at the end i think it was your suggestion to make the potato masher a sentient thing the whole time yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's uh comes from my my brain my brain hole even like everything from the swishing noises where you, i have to lift it up because i'm sitting there like controlling it <laughs> I just fucking die laughing and like the heartbreak on Chris's face. It was really, it was something that like, I, I am really glad that, uh, we got to collaborate so much with this on set. And like, we were so free to speak about, you know, speak up about the ideas that we had because it was one of those things that you guys just fucking nailed. Oh yeah. Plus, you know, anytime we get a chance to fuck with the, uh, artsy fartsy film community. I'm going to jump in on it, even though one day I might want to do a serious one like that and be the hypocritical asshole. I am. I still want to kind of poke fun at things that I actually, you know, kind of like, you know, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't fuck with you. So that, that was, um, the real fun made apart, meta part for me. Of course, collaborating with Chris is always awesome. Doing the challenge of, uh, doing it under 48 hours. Awesome. You know, yeah, coming up with a script, filming it, getting an edit done and everything, submitting it. Unfortunately, neither, none of us could attend. But it was, uh, like you said, it was a great collaborative time, especially like ranking it in in those last few hours. I don't think what we did was particularly shocking, but I would have, uh, I kind of do regret not going just to see the look on people's faces when they see the potato masher blowing me, especially. I do feel like. If any, if I do feel like if any of the local people have seen our stuff, they probably have a pretty good sense of the direction we were going to go with it. But it was still one of those things that I enjoyed getting to premiere, even if we weren't there. Uh, people got to get a little sampling of our flavor. And uh, before we move on to the next thing, I would like to go ahead and recommend to anyone listening, um, if you have nothing to do on Valentine's Day to watch next Valentine's Day next year, just pop episode one of Who Asked for This? It's a very romantic episode, um, very romantic episode, uh, and it'll, it'll get your lady friend hard, and you'll be pretty moist yourself, sir. Um, robots don't age, cannot scientifically prove that CJ's wrong, but anyhow, uh, I think that's all we have for the skit, sir. After that, we roll into credits, and it's mostly just a lot of our names. Yeah, you know, there, I put a lot of work into those, actually, if anyone, if you bother to read those, bless you, because you'll see my little messages at the bottom of each one, which I believe kind of started off like I might kind of explain the skit a little bit, or I'll just throw a, a callback to the joke, or I'll, like, give credit to, like, something, 
like the potato masher, I think I think is what I gave credit. Extra uh, special. Yeah, special thanks. Or yeah. when the uh, Prank Wars credits, you gave a shout out to Colette, who provided the Viking helmet and uh, a lot of the props, actually. Again, I should thank her. Very polite. Yes, very, very polite. We, you know, that's most of what we, you know, what we, uh, we're, we're not able to do a lot of what we do. We could do a lot of what we do just by ourselves, but it's the people around us that kind of empower us a little bit to do it. And even if it's just little things, you know, it, exactly. it, it can go pretty far especially with what we want to do, which is basically whatever the fuck we want. Because I know the show mostly comes off as just two friends dicking around, and it's a good chunk of what it is, but without the support of the people around us, we wouldn't be able to do it as easily or as frequently as we do. And uh, for that, for everyone listening and who supports us, uh, I would just like to say thank you, and that you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Robots Don't Age. That's how we uh, end the show, CJ. You got anything? No, I, 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 it was a perfect ending. I didn't want to fuck that up. That was beautiful. <laughs> no, I usually plug your stuff in at that time. <laughs> um, you know, the usual. Follow, you know, uh, facebook.com slash uh, who asked for this. Um, you could see us on YouTube, channel name, who asked for this. Um, you know, I, I believe season two, when we, when we release that, we're going to focus more content toward YouTube. So, you know, just yes. keep an eye on that and follow us here. You'll, I'm sure I'll come back and sniff around some more. Of course, uh, we got to do episode two, three, four, five. But yes, oh. um, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube, all the usual places. We should be uploading it uh, to other locations before too long. But in the meantime, thank you everyone for listening. Bye.